We're going to go back to Emuna Bitachon, to the Chazanish Sefer tonight. Uh, I want to, we're going to start again with chapter three, which is morality and halacha. Halachic rulings sometimes have ramifications in the realm of morals, and it is the halacha that sometimes, in effect, sets, sometimes in effect sets moral standards. For instance, in Bava Basra 21b, it says that when it comes to school teachers, there can be no claim of infringement on one's livelihood. If there are teachers working in a certain city and suddenly other teachers come from another place and start teaching there, it is the nature of people not to be satisfied with the old and familiar, and everyone starts sending their children to the newcomers, impinging on the livelihood of the local teachers. The injured teachers begin to hate the newcomers who are threatening their livelihood, and that hatred causes them to think of all manners of pretexts, faults, and libels to use against them until they get used to speaking ill of them. Things deteriorate to the point that they begin to libel the newcomers falsely and to awaken the feelings of mercy of the townspeople against their seeming cruelty. Quarrels and fights follow, and sometimes the locals take revenge on the newcomers to the best of their ability. Right, so we discussed this previously. What he's talking about is this paradigm where there's the same exact action being taken, but by two different people. And given the specific uh, industry that that second person is in, that will either be the correct action to take and completely permitted, or it'll be completely forbidden. Now, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is when you have a, a specific person who already is doing business in a town, and he is actually, he, the townspeople are exactly enough to support one person in this field. Now, a new person comes in and starts selling. So any other industry other than school teachers, people who are teaching Torah, one would not be permitted to come in. That would be called hasagaskavol. That would be called infringing on someone else's rights as the sole proprietor of that town. Right? We're going to leave aside the question of that the monopoly is not going to take care of the people who live in the town. That is something that is addressed in the Gemara. However, when it's a school teacher, then we say it's actually beneficial to the entire town to have the, the competition. Because the competition, specifically with school teachers, people are teaching Torah, is going to breed a better, a better product. And therefore, it's important to do so. Now, so given the specific circumstance, you have somebody who is the sole proprietor in this town of whatever the industry is, and he has the townspeople can only really afford to support one person. So if it's any industry other than teaching Torah, it is forbidden to come in. But if it's teaching Torah, it's not just, not just permitted to come in, it's actually advised to come in because the competition, as we say in Hebrew, kinas seifrin tarba chachma, that the competition between these two uh, people will actually cause that the teachings of Torah will be raised a notch. Now, what's going to happen? Somebody comes into the town, I'm going to be angry at them. They're taking my business. So I'm going to start besmirching them on Facebook and I'm going to take out ads and say nasty things about them. And it's completely not permitted. It's forbidden. Now, all of these actions would be clean of any sin or transgression if according to halacha, the locals were indeed allowed to hinder the newcomers. If so, the newcomers would be the sinners as they would be going against the halacha that was told to Moshe Rabbeinu on Mount Sinai. Under such circumstances, there would be no prohibition against conducting such a struggle against them. The hatred would not be causeless. The prohibition against slander, Lashon Hara, would not apply. And indeed, it would be a sacred battle, a legitimate, even halachically commendable battle, aimed at setting things right religiously. But now that halacha has decreed that competition between scholars increases wisdom in both parties, and that this principle takes precedence over the livelihood of individuals. The newcomers are acting in accordance with the law, and those, the establishment, who oppose them are attacking innocent people. 
When they hate them in their hearts, they're transgressing the prohibition against hating one's fellow Jew. And when they speak evil of them, they're transgressing the prohibition of slander. When they congregate people together for the purpose of quarreling, they are transgressing, transgressing the prohibition of not being like Korach, who congregated people in opposition to Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKohen. And when they take revenge on them or refuse them favors, they are transgressing the prohibition against taking revenge, right? So he's going through all the different possibilities of things that you could be doing wrong when you are messing with these people who are coming in. Now, very, very specifically, once again, we're only referring to the, the specific industry called Torah teaching, because that is permitted to step in. It will end up causing the, the uh, in the grand scheme of things, it'll be more beneficial for society. But if it's in any other industry, it would be permitted to take all of these actions against them. Now, if I would ask anybody on this call, and if I would have thought of that this on my own, uh, intuitively, I would have said, they're exactly the same. There's no reason to differentiate. I would have said, either we're a capitalist society, complete free market society, or I would have said, no, a free market society, but we're also concerned for making sure that the people who already have an industry shouldn't get, you know, Amazon shouldn't come in and take out the, the small market grocer, and we don't want them to undercut them, so we're going to have protections for I would have had one of these two calculations. I never would have thought of the fact that it could differentiate between the industries. Without the oral Torah telling us you have to differentiate between industries. The, the point that he's trying to get at is that these things are not always intuitive, right? We have a feeling, we all always feel like we have a sense of what's right and what's wrong, but that's not true. The sense of what's right and what's wrong, it could be correct and it could end up hitting exactly what halacha is going to say, but it could end up not hitting what halacha is going to say. Some examples that I was thinking of that we have in, in the Gemara and in the Torah itself is, I think many people are bothered. We find that Yaakov, steals the blessings from Esau, right? And he tricks his father to giving him the blessings. And his father's a lot of people. He's stealing. Another example, very pertinent. We find that when the Jews are leaving Egypt, what do they do? They borrow gold and silver from the Egyptians and then they walk out and they never bring it back. And people are bothered. How could the Torah possibly, how could the Torah possibly want us to do this, right? It seems so dishonest. Another example is Yaakov when he's, when he's doing the negotiations with Lavan, trying to figure out who gets which sheep and Yaakov is doing these tricks to manipulate the sheep through genetic engineering to having the types of sheep that he'll end up getting more sheep, right? And people are bothered by these things. I think it's important to remember there's a question of there's morality. And when you're in a world without God, when you're in a world without a Torah that is an absolute, when you're in that type of world, then there is subjective morality. It's very, very hard to get to absolute morality in that world. And therefore, this seems subjectively wrong, but we're in a, when, when we are in a world in which we have a, an access to Hashem and we have an ability to connect to Hashem, an ability to connect through the Nabiim, through the prophets and through the Torah, then when we are told that this is the correct thing to do, it's no longer wrong, it's actually right and it's a mitzvah. But in a very similar scenario that we ourselves would think of as being exactly the same thing, it would be forbidden to do exactly the same action. And so it's very, very important to recognize that morality is not absolute. We have a Torah, and the Torah defines for us what, what is and what is not correct. Now, right now, today, we have this question in spades because the question that's been coming up again and again, I've been asked this question multiple times already, is people who have had contracts in place and now had to be canceled due to COVID-19 that has impacted it. For example, people going to a Pesach hotel, and they were supposed to go out of country. They're supposed to go. I know someone emailed me with a contract to, to Canada, actually not to Mexico. I know a different friend of mine was supposed to go to Mexico, but that, that also was canceled. But someone else was supposed to go to Niagara Falls and their contract was canceled. And the hotel, the, not the hotel, but the person who had arranged the trip sent them a new contract basically telling them we were forced to cancel due to force major considerations 
and therefore we're, we're sorry, but we can't refund you more than 40% of your money. And I looked over the contract and it just wasn't true. There was no, there was no clause for that. So on the one hand, we feel bad for the hotel operator or for the tour operator who was arranging all this because he is out his money. But on the other hand, what does halacha say over here? You got to ask yourself first and foremost, what does halacha say? After you figure out what halacha says, then you could start figuring out, well, do you want to be a nice guy? Do you want to forgive? That's what we discussed yesterday, two days ago. Do you want to forgive? And do you want to be willing to give in even if you don't have to give in? But first and foremost, you always have to work with the moral grounding of knowing what does halacha say. That's the first point that he deals with in this chapter. I just wanted to finish tonight with, with a really touching story that uh, has been going around and went viral today. I don't know if maybe many of you might have seen it already. Uh, there was a, um, an emergency room, emergency department doctor in Maimonides Medical Center yesterday, Mert Aragol, who posted on Twitter. And he writes like this. So today, in the middle of all the madness, there was a 100-year-old Hasidic lady with COVID pneumonia. And I was desperate to send her home so she wouldn't die in the hospital. But she dropped her blood pressure and we had to keep her. And then for an hour, her son kept calling me to find out how she was. And I finally told him, look, she's 100 years old with pneumonia in both lungs. She's not good and she's not going to do well. And then he wanted to talk to her. And I said, you can't, I'm too busy. And he called back 10 minutes later. And I said, listen, sir, your mother is not conscious anymore. And he said, that's okay. It's very important that I do a prayer for her. Could you hold the speaker to her ear? I had 10 other pressing things to do. But I stopped what I was doing out of respect to this 100-year-old woman and put the cell on speakerphone and told him to talk. He started the prayer of the dead and he began to cry and could barely get the words out. And I saw she had numbers tattooed on her arm. He was crying for his mother and praying the Shema, the verses of unity. And it woke up some emotion in me that I had forgotten about. Time slowed down and I felt restored to myself. When he was done, he thanked me and blessed me. And I said, thank you to him. Yeah, I, I was personally moved by that story. The idea that this non-Jewish doctor who was incredibly stressed out could, can recognize the beauty and could take something out of that moment, you know, a, a sad moment, but can take something out of that moment, the idea of the Shema, the idea of the unity of the accepting upon ourselves the yoke of heaven, that that would be a response and could calm him down and make him recognize that ultimately we accept upon ourselves the yoke of heaven. That, that's a touching idea. And I'm going to end with that tonight. Hope everyone stays safe. Be well.